to episode 11 of the Rooted Reason podcast. This is the podcast aimed at the practical application of the Christian worldview. My name is Brandon. And on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about the idea of a worldview and the importance of having a solid worldview. A few months ago, I actually came across just a short clip on YouTube of uh, Senator Kennedy um, asking some questions of a couple guys that were coming to um, Congress and trying to, um, they're basically talking about censorship and the limits of liberty, literature, things of that nature. And Senator Kennedy reads some of the content from these books um, and then asks one of the guys, like, what his point of coming was. He asks him uh, specifically what he is advocating for. And uh, his answer that he gives him is just a short uh, little piece. I'll actually, I'll just read it to you, kind of what his answer is. But it got me thinking about um, a word that we don't often hear, uh, the word worldview, a word that doesn't always come up in normal everyday language, but the um, strict importance that that, wor- that that word has and that what that means and how um, even though it's not a common word, it's something that's part of uh, the ideology of those um, of all people, whether they know it or not, and that there actually is uh, some arguments being made against certain worldviews. I found the clip here. I'm actually just going to play this little short, like eight second section so you can hear exactly um, what the guy says. We are advocating for parents random parents not to have the ability under the guise of keeping kids safe to try and challenge the world view of every single manner on these issues. Now, of course, this is in the context of um, what books should be uh, in school libraries, what's appropriate for kids to read, things of that nature. Uh, And so we're going to look at it in a much broader context than that specifically. Um, I just kind of talk about the idea of a worldview and how even in this random clip I, f- I saw on YouTube that was recommended to me um, about some congressional hearing over uh, books in school libraries that that concept of a worldview even comes up. And the guy admits that he's advocating that random parents under the guise of protecting their children shouldn't be able to challenge the worldview um, on those kinds of things. But that's exactly the, the point, I think, is there's a different worldview that um, parents would have and how they think is best to protect and care for and teach their children. And that comes in direct contact and direct um, opposition to the worldview uh, of other people. So the first thing we should do is um, define a worldview, how I'm how I'm using the word in this podcast. And for me, it's uh, just very simply, it's just an overall perspective or maybe a set of lenses through which one views the whole of reality and interprets the world, interprets reality. So it's the way in which somebody looks at the world. I mean, to put it absolutely simply, for me, a my worldview is a, a, a Christian worldview. So I look at reality. I look at the whole of the world and the universe um, from the lenses of the Christian perspective, meaning that there is a divine father who is the creator and sustainer of the world. He has revealed himself to us through revelation that the scripture is his word given to us so that we can know him and 
understand him and be in a relationship with him. And that ultimately we need salvation through Jesus. And so my attempt is that everything I do, the way I look at every situation in the world is I want to know what God has said about that situation or what things has God revealed to us in scripture that are applicable to those situations. So the, my Christian worldview is found is grounded and founded in the Bible as the word of God and as a foundation for seeking truth, for understanding morality, for understanding law and the things of that nature. And so that worldview um, will be in contention and be pitted against other worldviews, whether that be other religious worldviews, whether that be secular worldviews or um, even just other understandings or interpretations of what some might say is a Christian worldview. Uh, there's going to be times where what I understand as a worldview, the way that I view everything, the lenses I use to um, understand what is happening around me and the foundation for the way that I think, for the way that I seek truth, for my morality, things of that nature, are going to be in contention and pitted against um, the way that other people come to those same conclusions. So we have um, just a simple definition of worldview. Um, so what the point of this podcast is basically going to be, I'm going <clears> to <throat> pull from a couple books that I've been, the one book that I read a while back and the one book I've been reading here more recently, and just kind of talk about how both of these authors talk about uh, the testing of worldviews and um, checking worldviews for validity and for justification. And so that's me the point of this podcast is just kind of introduce this idea of a worldview, um, hopefully get you kind of thinking about it, and then kind of give you a few, few ideas and hints on um, what it means to test a worldview so that when you're uh, having a conversation with somebody and the, the worldviews, even if you're not calling them that, you're not aware of them specifically, but as that starts to grind against each other and you start to realize, oh, we have a, we have a fundamental disagreement, not just a disagreement of how to practically apply maybe a principle, but we're actually disagreeing on the principle itself. Uh, so when you find yourself in those situations, these are some ways that, I mean, you're, you're talking worldviews at that point. You're talking basic um, assumptions and basic ways of looking at, at the whole of reality. And so these are just some ideas to kind of whet your appetite and get you thinking along those lines that um, while we can argue the specifics and, and those are important, ultimately it comes down to uh, differing worldviews and differing starting points um, for a lot of our disagreements. And so while I mentioned earlier, um, multiple different worldviews, you know, Christian worldview, different religious worldviews, secular, humanist worldviews, uh, ultimately I'm, I'm under the belief that there's really only two worldviews. There's the believing Christian worldview that has scripture and the God of scripture as a foundation of it. And then there's the unbelieving worldview. Now there's lots of different types of unbelieving worldviews, but I think uh, scripture sets up that dichotomy that really there's two kinds of people. There's believers and unbelievers, and that's really it. Um, and so while there definitely is a lot of nuance in the unbeliever, unbelieving worldviews, uh, for the sake of this podcast, we're going to keep it simple and stick to that um, binary dichotomy of believing and unbelieving worldviews.
So I'm sure I've talked about this first book um, on the podcast before, I think early on. But we're going to again look at uh, a book called The Apologetics of Leroy Fourlines, which is written by Matthew Pinson. And in that book, um, he takes writings of four lines from other places and kind of compiles them together in one succinct book. There's a book on testing of worldviews. And so four lines basically has four uh, questions or four ways to test a worldview for validity. And he says, so number one, it says, does it answer the inescapable questions of life? Two, is there internal consistency? Meaning, is there a logic, logical structure that's related to the foundation of the worldview? Um, do all the parts fit together consistently? Three, is there causal adequacy? Meaning, are the causes adequate to produce the effects attributed to them? And four, does it conform to that which is undeniably true? And so some of those will be um, more helpful, especially early on in conversation. Um, I think the Probably the easiest two to grasp would be the first one and the last one. Um, does it answer the inescapable questions of life? Meaning, does it does it have adequate, good answers to the hard questions of life? Does it equip us? Does it equip the person that holds that worldview to live in the real world? Does it answer questions of meaning and purpose and morality, things of that nature? Does it does it help people cope with life? Does it give adequate solutions to the problems of life? And the last one um, being is that does it deny anything that is unquestionably true based on observation and experience? Um, so does it deny things like uh, basic morality? Does it deny that there is really a, a true right and wrong? Or does the worldview entail that ultimately nothing is really right or wrong? It's all just subjective and what we feel in the moment. Things of that nature. Does it... Does it push back against and deny, ultimately deny, things that are just obviously true about reality? The second book I'm going to reference here um, is a book I uh, started a while back. I'm not all the way through it yet, but it's Nancy Percy's Finding Truth. And in the first chapter of that book, um, she's kind of giving principles for testing worldviews. Uh, I get from Romans 1 and kind of how Paul lays out uh, just a great way for people to test test worldviews. And she says uh, in that book, in the first chapter, she says, a debased worldview is one that offers a counterfeit God. It makes false promises. It gives misleading answers to the questions of life. So even Nancy Percy is kind of hitting on that same thing that Four Lines was um, talking about, like these unescapable questions of life. Um, Does your worldview have adequate answers to those questions? And she lays out uh, five principles that she kind of covers um, five strategic principles that she covers in this book to test worldviews and to check worldviews. And those are, uh, so this is based on the idea that um, any worldview is going to have either God as its foundation or an idol at its foundation, something that somebody has used to replace God. Now she's basing a lot of this from Romans one. And I'm actually um, on the blog side of rooted reason I'm actually working my way through this book, um, writing blogs about it. And so uh, if you're interested in kind of her argumentation from Romans and how she takes the principles Paul uses and applies um, them to worldviews, that is where I I would say go and check out the the blog as those come out about finding truth. But the first principle that she lays out for us here is that to identify the idol. So she says, since everyone who rejects God sets up an idol in his place, 
It's strategic. It's a tr- strategic place to begin. And again, an idol is just anything that's in the created order that is put in the place of God. So idols that are just commonly used, like I think off the top of my head, um, people will say, uh, well, like the scientific theory or, or science is the ultimate way to know truth or reason or like critical thinking is the ultimate way to know truth. So anything that somebody has taken and replaced God as the foundation for everything they do um, from the created order and tried to set that up, that has become an idol. And you can start by identifying what those are in the opposing worldviews. And none of that is to say that uh, scientific inquiry, scientific method, reason, critical thinking are not part of the Christian worldview or against the Christian worldview. Um, that's just to say when they are the sole way of finding truth, um, you start to run into issues. And that's where she moves into her second principle of identifying the idol's reductionism. So her point in this case is that when a worldview exchanges the creator for something in creation, it will also exchange a high view of humans made in God's image for a lower view of humans made in the image of something else in creation. And so to give kind of an example of this, just so you can kind of see what she's um, talking about on page 45 in her book, she says, recall that in materialism, the idol is matter. Everything else is reduced to material objects produced by material forces. So anything that does not fit in the materialist box is dismissed as an illusion, including spirit, soul, will, mind, and consciousness. We can say that humans are redefined in the image of matter. They are robbed of their uniquely human qualities and reduced to biochemical machines without free will determined by natural forces. So that was kind of what I meant and what she means about identify the idol and then identify its reduction. When somebody replaces um, God, replaces the God of Christianity revealed by the scriptures with, well, materialism, material is all there is, it damages who humans be- human beings are. It gets rid of those things she mentioned, will and mind and consciousness. Um, they're basically just uh, meat robots that are just dancing to our DNA. And so that is one way to, you know, reduce one aspect of a worldview down. She goes on to point out that, uh, by contrast, a biblical worldview begins with a transcendent God, so it is not reductionistic. It does not try to stuff everything into a box defined by one part of creation. So like with the example of materialism, it does not, the biblical worldview doesn't try to shove everything into the box of material only. It begins with a transcendent God who has revealed himself in scripture. The next principle she brings up is actually very similar to Leroy Fourline's uh, principle three in her book is test the idol. Does it contradict what we know about the world? So she goes on to explain more about that. She says, we could say that the purpose of a worldview is to explain what we know about the world. So if it contradicts what we know about the world through general revelation, then it fails. So against that same concept from four lines, is that if it if the worldview denies something that is um, automatically known about reality, about the world around us, then it's it's failed and it's a, a failed worldview. It's a false worldview. Again, think of uh, like a strict materialist um, worldview. If we're nothing but just biochemical meat robots that are just following what the chemicals in our brain tell us to do, how they uh, react with one another, how they fizz up, um, then you're denying that we well can even critically think at all. You're denying reason in that aspect. We're just, whatever you think, whatever you believe, 
Um, however you think you came to those beliefs, whether you think they're true or not, is all just a chemical reaction in your brain, no different um, than if you took a bottle of soda and shook it up and it fizzes. Well, you wouldn't say that that bottle of soda is uh, having beliefs or, or doing a critical thinking. It's just chemicals reacting inside of itself. But I would think that we all know deep down that we are not just chemical reactions and and meet robots wandering around the planet following our DNA. We all know there's more to us than that consciousness and mind, um, souls, free will, things of that nature. Her fourth principle is, does it contradict itself? This is just like Forloin's talking about, is it internally consistent? So to go to the same example, example of the materialist worldview, if, if thinking, if what our brains do, the critical thinking, is just reduced down to brain processes, just chemical reactions in our brains, then our ideas, our beliefs, they're not really true or false. It's just a chemical reaction. Um, so in that case, she goes on, actually, I'm just going to read exactly what she says. She says, but in the case, how can the materialist know that materialism is true? The philosophy itself, that worldview itself, says that your brain activity is nothing more than... Um, predetermined chemical reactions. You're just uh, a robot that's just following the electrical charges and the chemicals in your brain. So whatever beliefs you come to aren't really true or false. They're just the way it was determined by the chemicals in your brain at that time. So you can't really say that materialism is true because if materialism is true, it defeats the very idea of truth in itself. It defeats the idea of being able to falsify your own beliefs and to come to true beliefs. You're ultimately nothing more than a bottle of soda fizzing after it's been opened. So to say that you have a true belief um, doesn't make sense. It's self-refuting. And then her fifth principle, which I actually really like and uh, th think is probably the most important, is make the case for Christianity. So after you've identified the idol, you've shown that it reduces to absurdity. You've shown that it's uh, self-refuting, that it can't be true because if it's true, it means it's false. Uh, like the idea with the materialism. Then the last thing you do is you make the case for Christianity. And this isn't just a, just a simple thing to do always, but you would run back through those same tests. You would show um, how Christianity answers the inescapable questions of life. Um, how as a transcendent God as a foundation of your worldview doesn't lead to reduction, uh, reductionism, doesn't lead to absurdities. Um, it can answer the questions of why we can use reasoning at all. Like why, why are our brains designed in such a way that we can be critical thinkers? We've been created in the image uh, of God. We've been given, endowed with those abilities to critically think. Um, Things like why does the scientific method even work? Why when you look out into the world, when you look at the physical creation, why assume that things are going to be uniform and that tests you run on Friday are going to be the same on Monday? If everything is constantly uh, evolving and it's uh, just random chance, why assume things will be the same today as yesterday? But yet we live that way. Like not nobody got up this morning and thought, oh, I hope all the oxygen hasn't randomly left my, my bedroom and held their breath until they knew they could breathe or assumed 
um, that you know, we all assumed when we got out of bed that gravity still worked the way it did yesterday and was going to hold us to the floor. So uh, reasoning is something that I think it can, it is only grounded in the Christian worldview. Uh, the scientific method itself, I think, only makes sense than a Christian worldview as far as there's a God that holds the world together, that has set it in its place, and that we're told in Scripture that he maintains it and keeps it uniform. Um, things like morality. I think uh, the vast majority of other worldviews are going to struggle with, are things truly right or wrong? Is there such a thing as objective morality? Um, is something objectively wrong regardless of the time and place where it happens? So in 50 years from now, are things like murder still going to be wrong? Were they wrong 50 years ago, 500 years ago? What are they be? Why is there a consistent morality throughout um, history? And there's, there's other potential answers, or I don't want to say potential. There's other given answers for those. Like, well, if humanity didn't evolve in such a way that we took care of one another, you know, we, w- we wouldn't have been this successful. But I think that those answers ultimately fall apart. Um, it just assumes the end. It assumes that, well, look, we're here, so we couldn't have gotten here. Otherwise, so it had to be that way. But again, if we're just um, random chance meet robot accidents, uh, it just doesn't really make sense of the world as a whole. And of course, everything that we talked about today um is a very long conversation, more than just a 22-some-odd-minute uh, podcast. This is literally just a scratch-the-surface introduction to these concepts and ideas just to kind of wet your appetite and hopefully get you thinking about these things and see the importance of um, not only understanding what a worldview is, but developing a solid Christian biblical worldview um, based in the Scriptures. So I would recommend um, Nancy Percy's book, Finding Truth, I'd recommend The Apologetics of Leroy Fourlines, written by Matthew Pinson and Leroy Fourlines. Um, ultimately, the way to come to a solid biblical Christian worldview um, is to study Scripture, is to have it be part of your daily routine, to get into God's Word, see what He's revealed to us, see what He has told us through His revelation. And ultimately, that's how uh, we will eventually affect culture, is through solid Christians with a solid understanding of the biblical worldview, um, and standing up and fighting for those things and arguing for those things and showing the inconsistency of any worldview that denies God the Father as its foundation and starting point. So remember as you go out, uh, study the Word of God. That is our weapon. Um, That is our foundation for everything that we do. So just as you go out from here, remember Christ is King, Christ is Lord. Uh, Any worldview not based with Christ as king and lord of all, um, is going to fall apart. It's not going to be consistent. It may take more effort to show the inconsistencies because there's some really well thought out, well spoken um, advocates of other worldviews out there. But ultimately, they all fall apart. We know that Christ is king, Christ is lord. He's savior at all. Go take that message to the world. Have a great day.